0: Hi, I'm Charisma O'Keefe,
1: and I'm Angelica Yard, and we're
0: the heart behind the Heart and Hustle podcast.
1: Every Wednesday, we share a new episode with our listeners on topics that range from business and creativity to leadership and innovation.
0: We also interview some of the best and brightest in the industry and spread our love of entrepreneurship all over the internet with our hashtag BossSoHard.
1: We're on a mission. Hi, welcome back. Welcome
0: back. It is August. It is the week before the Game of Thrones finale. That's how I'm marking time.
1: Now. I like how you're like, there wasn't <laughs> like everybody else is like, the eclipse happened yesterday, and you're like, Games of Thrones. I'm like, I'm about Game of Thrones.
0: Like, I don't have time for this eclipse.
1: Like, I'm trying to figure out what is
0: going on in Game of Thrones right now. Like, that is my life. Um, it's oh man if anybody doesn't watch I'm telling you you need to it's so freaking good I and will probably
1: watch Game of Thrones the same way I watch Breaking Bad or literally anything that everyone is like into over. And when it's over so everybody can stop talking about it
0: <laughs> yeah I mean so I I didn't start Game of Thrones until season 2 because I wasn't sure I don't know I just I didn't have HBO and I was just kind of like I, I don't know but everyone like a lot of people that I have similar tastes with we're like you gotta watch it so we started watching it season two and we watched like the first episode like in two days like we didn't do anything else we're like we have to watch all this and i haven't read the i need to read the book i'll go see the movie like in a few days um so i didn't read the books for these first because i wasn't i didn't think that i would like end up like being obsessed with it you know right Um, i just casually went in to watch it so now i'm going back and reading the books and i was gonna kind of like you said like i was gonna wait till it was all over and then start reading the books but I just can't get enough Game of Thrones in my life. Like, I, after each episode, I literally read, like, every article, especially the Vanity Fair ones, because those are great. Um, I'm like, I read every article, every fan theory, and I'm just like, I need more. So I've started reading the books now, um, which, yeah, they're so good. Uh, like, that's that's that's, so that's what I'll be reading for the next, if anyone wants to know. That's what I'll be reading for the next little while, because I think there's, like, five of them. Um, but, yeah, I'm just obsessed. That's all I can think about right now. And... I, I'm kind of ready for it to be over, to be honest, because I feel like it's pulling for my
1: productivity. Um, no comment. <laughs> <It's been being laughs> Can't be reached for comment. Real. I like, won't. I won't like, say I any words. Not... <laughs> <laughs>
0: watch. You're gonna. You're gonna watch it, and you're gonna be like, "This is." But, I, is. Don't, but I
1: don't. I'm. I i do not watch things you to fire like that. Now, so you can tweet about it. No, I don't want to tweet with everyone because I think everybody's. Like, live tweeting shows makes me feel away. (laughs) Like, I just, I can't get into that that lifestyle i like mean it's so like something it's like a sporting so like if it's like the olympics i get it like a sport like i've never been alive to be watch a show uh, as a mass type I, like human. i am when it
0: comes to i watch insecure
1: like most- on like sunday night like i just don't sunday night i'm like yeah, literally I watch, on twitter like I, I, say, I
0: don't normally like live tweet because i don't normally watch things like in real time game of thrones is like the only thing i watch in real time because like um and insecure, because I know that I'm gonna get like spoilers on Game of Thrones, so I'm like, that's why I do it. But honestly, reading other people's tweets is like half of what makes it amazing. And Good honestly, way. people come I'm- up with like memes so quickly afterwards, and I'm just like, y'all are a trip. Like literally two minutes after something happens and somebody will have gone into Photoshop, and made something ridiculous about it, and it's so great. Also, Lovey watches uh, Game of Thrones, so like reading her like live tweets for anything is fantastic. Like I don't watch Scandal live, but I'll go back sometimes just to read her tweets yeah. because she. I don't know how it.
1: people. Also, I feel like I just I can't watch live TV anymore. I feel like that's such a such an old part of my life. Like my mom's always like does the... or somebody asked the other day about like my daughter. Like they were like, oh, you know she i think she had picked up a book it was like Daniel Tiger and you're like oh all kids love Daniel Tiger and I was like no cuz she has no idea what that is like she just <laughs> we don't know like what are we doing like we just don't have the tv like we don't know she doesn't know that tv could beat like it's on all the time. <laughs> you know I mean? Like this broadcasting happening 24 7. I feel like when she finds that out, her mind's gonna be blown. She's gonna go to someone's house one time. And none of her friends are you know, her close friends are like that either. Like my close friends don't watch TV like that. So when when they go to someone's house and they go on and the TV's like on and different channels like it's gonna blow their mind. It's gonna ruin their lives. She'll be like, have you been hiding this from me the whole time? And it's just like, I don't know, I got other things to do. We're never at home. Um You know, this weekend, past weekend was super busy and this upcoming weekend is going to be super busy and we're just super busy and I just, I will watch Games of Thrones at some point. I still um, haven't even like finished The Defenders. Like I started it, it and we are still not, like I can't, I don't binge watch that way. Dave and I were talking about this. We just don't binge watch like we don't like oh my gosh you're gonna watch it all at one time and like we don't finish things it takes us for takes us forever to finish things and we will watch like two episodes maybe a night
0: so you're watching that one show because you're tweeting about yeah we started it. watching the
1: defenders um we we're like on episode no no
0: not the defenders because i'm watching that uh, obviously the one with the girls oh Are the, the ball type
1: the ball t- yeah i watch it on during the week like when it come like it i good? think it comes on tuesdays i watch it wednesday or thursday it's cute i like I like cute little. F- it's very yeah, like.
0: Yeah, I saw you tweeting to somebody about it, and I was like, because I I wasn't sure I would like it. Like I saw a commercial for it, but then I saw
1: you tweeting about it. It's very much I was, oh, propaganda. Um, I. I think it's, <laughs> good. it's very much like uh, what's the name of the magazine that it's based off of? It's very much propaganda in that way. Like if you're not, it's um I think it's like Marie Claire or, or one of the magazines or whatever. I don't know, but I really like. I loved like abc family stuff when i was a kid like i lo- I just i like freeform stuff sometimes like not all the time yeah and well, i love aisha d yeah i was gonna say aisha d awesome. i absolutely adore her I, lo- I loved her in the other shows she was on with freeform um with the girl that had cancer i don't know because i just like i'm obsessed with those stupid little quirky like no brain but a girly got me shows. Like, that's my life. Well, I and mean,
0: they're really good for, like, when you have, like, the type of work that you need something on in the background, too.
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah. like, I mean, I'll pay attention. It's cute. Um, it's a lot different than and another one that I kind of am into. I don't watch a lot is Younger, and Hilary Duff is one of the leads on that one. And those are both, to me, like, the girly, like, 20 something. Yeah, I feel like I they're watched... like the, if you liked Gossip Girl, you would like Younger or The Bold type. One or the other or both. That is like my um my television recap for the week. <laughs> otherwise do work. Do work and, and get money and make things happen.
0: You know. Just uh. <laughs> yeah and i was gonna say i had something else to say or ask you but i don't remember
1: but today we're gonna have erica and i'm not gonna say her last name i'm gonna butcher it and i'm not gonna do it and i forgot to ask her before we had her (laughs) on um of coming up roses on i met her at the blog connect in april during philly and i'm probably We'll try to meet up Ben and back up there in October. But she was super funny. She did a panel with um, some other influencers, um, Nicole and Amber, uh, who we had Amber on of Amber and Roses earlier. They were talking about working with influencers. And so Erica was very much like running the pack, like, no, don't do these things and worry about your time and your money. So I was like, okay, we need to have her on because we've never really had a blogger on ever. Yeah,
0: we have people that I mean, blog, they blog,
1: but not like means- blogging is her type. Ch- like, that's her job. Like, an influencer is her like that's her title. That's how she makes her, her coins every day. <laughs> so we, we really haven't had anybody like that on. And so um, since we are talking to a blogger about blogging, I wanted to talk about what is a blog that you are reading right now and who should, what should people be reading?
0: So um, a lot of the people that I follow who blog are also entrepreneurs And I don't know if like this year has just been really busy or what the deal is, but I feel like myself and all of those people have kind of stopped blogging. So like, you know, Bobby and you and Melissa, just like a lot of people that I follow religiously um, aren't blogging at the moment. So I'm like, I would send people to those blogs, but uh, not, not so much at the moment. But one person that I can say that keeps it consistent and I always love her blog is Amber. And um, she used to be over, what was it called? It was called ember March Yeah, 4. I feel like no, I just based said that. <laughs>
1: yeah, it's Space on 3rd. Um, Sorry, so, y'all.
0: Like, I First of all, I really love um, just the name Space on 3rd, which is something that, like, I talked to her about and told her, like, just honestly that name just, like, blew me away. Like, the concept of it, like, I won't explain it here. I want you to just go read what it means because it's awesome. Um, but, yeah, she keeps it consistent, and she always has good content that, like, interest me, put a smile on my face, like, it's just always consistently good, um, so definitely check out her blog, because it's consistent, and it's fun, and I love it, and it's always, um, informational.
1: So, I, like, listen, or I read a lot of different, I don't really read a lot of blogs religiously, just because everybody's all over the place, and content's kind of all yeah. over the place, so I pick up as I see it online, or, you know, I, I check in with old faves every now and again, but one that came up for me this past uh, week, last week, uh, that I thought was pretty cool, was by Kelly Deals. And she wrote a post that was called White Supremacy, White Beauty, and Your Brand Photos. And that has been, like, just this post, if you don't read anything else, I'll link it in the show notes, of course, is her talking about Uh, why white women entrepreneurs need to do better in terms of choosing stock imagery and choosing images and being more diverse in their photography and I completely agree it's just totally set in this ideal of like look at the beautiful American traditional life and this is blonde and this is beautiful and this is skinny and this is this and that and so she's really challenging you know entrepreneurs especially white women to be more past themselves and I think that's something that I, I think you know black women entrepreneurs especially my friends or the people I know closely we do that already in the sense of yeah we we do choose people who look like us but a lot of times we can't we don't we choose people who don't look like us we choose a a variety and i feel like um the women i know who own businesses are more diverse in their choosing of stock imagery and they're you know picking up images with latinas and asian americans and and white women and in being more inclusive versus a lot of the brands that i see that are known or made by white women are more so like this is Mm -hmm. you know the little white face and that's something that i really uh, take into consideration what the Rifle Paper Company's latest ad for their kids is that it's a black st- or, you know, mixed, you know, but n- racially ambiguous lady with a giant afro yeah. rocking these kids for Rifle. And I, I mean, Rifle's always, to me, had some type of imagery that had different skin colors in their cards and things. And so I really, yes. really appreciate them for taking that step forward in this ad campaign and really being like, this is a brown woman. She's still wearing our product. She's still our ideal customer because as an ideal customer of Rifle I like to see that they see someone who looks like me or similar to me in the fact that she's rocking her giant afro and rocking her cute gold kids and so I think that says something about brands who are looking more forward versus more inward and looking at the people who are actually supporting their products so I will link that in the show notes because I think it's an important blog post to yeah, read. Yeah, like
0: that's such an important point, and I think that you like hit it right on the head with like I do think that people of color tend to think about it more and be more inclusive and choose people that don't even look like them, um, whereas white women often have this world that's kind of you know, made to say, like, white beauty is, like, the ultimate whatever, and so they're just kind of used to only seeing white women in media, and some of them are not as diverse, but yeah, Rightfield Paper Co. for years, everyone, which is really awesome, because they are such you know a major brand and i think a lot of brands that um like kind of try to look like rifle paper co do do not like no. succeed in being uh diverse no
1: not at all and it's very um that i think that's one of the ways where you can tell the difference obviously <laughs> yep. if you can yeah. tell the difference in the illustration style if you look at the just the stock images or the models or the people they use in their advertising you can just see that it's not and i um also want to just shout out um Amy, who is a programmer, who uh, runs this company called Bubble Sort Zine, she just released these amazing Get It Girl shirts, which if you're a developer, it's Get G-I-T, because we're all about that Get Life, and she purposefully, when she was looking out to shoot her campaign, went out and tweeted, and I'm looking for femme people of color, like, just, she was saying, any, you know, anybody that identifies as femme, if you're a person of color, I want you specifically in my ad, that's who I'm looking for in the San Francisco area, and I thought that was so important that she put that first above All things and the ads for these wonderful t-shirts that have come out are fantastic. And I think that's really something that we need to challenge ourselves as people to just look out and search people who are not just ourselves and really try to be inclusive and representative in our brand messaging and our tone, so... Awesome. Well, I think we should, you know, we'll get started on the episode, and you guys take notes. I we wrote a lot of notes. We have notebooks full because Erica came out here preaching the truth.
0: (laughs) Ready to learn your
1: worth. Learn your worth. Get your value. Get your mug full. So, thank you guys for listening and uh, enjoy. A bigger box for yourself? Seth Godin's All MBA Workshop is an intensive leadership and management workshop designed for change makers who have a fire in the belly. This is for people who are itching to level up and make a bigger impact. Four times a year, the workshop brings together two groups of 100 to 120 leaders, curating the group to pick the right mix of people from different industries and areas of expertise. The end result you're surrounded by other leaders who are moving to the top of their respective fields and helping support each other to become stronger cross functional change agents. The workshop splits you up into groups every week so you're meeting a bunch of people you'd never otherwise meet. You're getting and giving feedback and seeing your blind spots in a whole new way. By working on 13 projects during the month, you're constantly pushing ahead and creating a body of work as proof. It's not about passively learning, it's about actively putting those concepts into practice until they become habit. The idea is to drink from the fire holes and rewire your brain to make new, better habits and to have the platform practice those habits. So who's been through all MBA? Over a thousand alumni. They include a mix of leaders, including product managers, naval naval commanders, lawyers, marketing directors, engineers, ophthalmologists, UX designers, filmmakers, and more. This group is half freelance, half folks at companies and startups like Slack, Tesla, Kickstarter, Charity Water, Microsoft, Nike, Trello, Kiva, Warby Parker, and more. If you're a leader and want to become even better, this is for you. There are no lectures, no videos. It's rolling your sleeves and working in groups with people who are equally into winning. It's an intensive, immersive four-week experience of drinking from the fire hose. Over a thousand plus people from 580 cities in 49 countries around the world have all done All MBA. Challenging, <laughs> yes, but our friends at Seth Godin's All MBA believe the rewards are so worth it. Ask any of their alumni. While most online courses barely approach a 7% completion rate, the All MBA has an astonishing 96% completion rate. Their alumni say they'd do it again in a heartbeat. The working world has changed, with the growth of the internet there's never been more opportunities for you to level up. If you're looking for ways to have a bigger impact, the all MBA could help you get there. The curriculum is entirely hands-on, more than 75% of your time is dedicated to shipping your work, practical projects that allow you to apply what you learn. So if you're tired of courses that you never finish videos or you've had them bookmarked, then put those aside and check out Alt-MBA as a different way to level up. So they are now accepting applications for the upcoming session. To find out more, visit www.altmba.com backslash heart and hustle. So that's www.altmba.com backslash heart, A-N-D, hustle. For special consideration, you can mention Heart and Hustle podcast in your application and tell them that we sent you. So check out the episode and enjoy. Awesome. So you guys, welcome back. And we're so excited to be talking to Erica. And you may have known Erica from her blog, Coming Up Roses. And if you haven't, well, Erica, could you tell everybody what your blog is about and who you are and what's happening in the Coming Up Roses universe? (laughs)
2: Sure, sure. Well, first, thank you so much for having me. I'm super pumped to be talking to you guys. Um, But I started Coming Up Roses, I think it was back in my sophomore year of college. So I started it just to be basically a blog of inspiration. I was in college at the time, and it was kind of whooping my butt, and I really didn't feel like I had a good creative outlet. So I had been writing for like a school fashion magazine at the time, except I didn't really feel like it was fully unleashing what all of like the creative juices that I had in me. So I really just was inspired to start my own thing um, and it started off literally just being inspiration. So it was once a week, every Wednesday it was basically like the hump day dose of inspiration to get over over the hump and through the rest of the week with like sort of your marble still together. So it was very much focused on just being kind of motivational and kind of like a pep talk, some real talk, girl talk, whatever you want to call it to get through the week. And it basically picked up from there. So I really fell in love with it. And it became the sort of thing where I was just getting super, super inspired with all different types of content. So I basically figured, okay, this is kind of turning into more than just like an inspirational little thing. This is kind of turning into my baby. So it's kind of now something where I want to cover multiple topics. I want to cover style and beauty and lifestyle and all of that good stuff still with still with the same sort of inspirational undertones. So that is what I did. So I started blogging Monday, Wednesday, Friday from there. And <clears throat> now it's basically a mix of, I basically describe it as like authentic inspiration cool style and affordable lifestyle for the ambitious millennial w- millennial woman so it's kind of a little bit of everything but all under the guise of it's there to really add value to your life really be something that is genuinely helpful and not just a peek inside my life or basically like a documentary of what's going on with me I want it very much to be a two-way conversation and a dialogue on things that are important in life but still things that are just fun and things that a lot of girls can relate to and something where it's all kind of still having this inspirational, positive undertone so that everything in your life, whether it's basically like the lipstick that you're wearing or whether it's something really serious that you have going on in your job or in your relationship or whatever, that it's all kind of under the umbrella of it's coming up roses. It might not be perfect, but and it is probably going to have a downside at some point or another but there's still some sort of beauty or some sort of positive aspect to
0: it, and that's what we want to focus on. Oh Ooh, I love that. That is, like, amazing. Let's say, I really love that you, from the gate, you, like, at up, up the gate, you talked about consistency, because I think that that's something that, you know, we talk about a lot in the blog world, and you said, like, from day one, like, you really had a consistent schedule. Like, you were like, I'm going to do this every Wednesday, and I think that that's what a lot of bloggers don't understand when they're getting into it. They're, like, very overwhelmed, and they don't know what to do, and I'm like, any schedule is better than some schedule. It doesn't have to be every day or every mm-hmm. other day when you first start out. But I think that starting out and saying, I'm going to be consistent. My readers are going to know that every single Wednesday, I'm going to have new content. I think that is so important. And then I think grow like you kind of like you did just growing into having more days is a really smart way to go about it.
2: Oh, absolutely. And I tell people that all the time, if any new blogger comes to me asking for advice or whatever, and people get stressed out because it's such a saturated industry right now. And it does seem really competitive and really overwhelming. So it's so easy for people to just go right in the gate either thinking they're going to go full steam ahead and just be a baller right from the start. But then you very quickly realize, Oh my gosh, this is really stressful or this is a lot yeah. to undertake. So I think it's way more important to be able to be consistent with the, with whatever you choose for your brand. So for me, that if, if, that was once a week to start out, that's fine. But I always say pick a day of the week, pick a time on that day of the week and really ingrain with your audience. This is what to expect from me. So if it, it very much for me was, it's hump day therefore there's something new on coming up roses and I really tried to work that hump day reference that way it was something that people could wake up be like oh it's Wednesday hey there's something new on coming up roses today so that it was really associated
0: with whatever day of the week you're choosing for your schedule
1: that's so awesome. So
0: That's amazing. Yeah. So you just celebrated your four year anniversary uh, with coming up. That, that's Congrats, because I know like keeping a consistent blog is a challenge. So Thank being you. able to do that for four years is really impressive. Tell us about that journey and a little bit like that, what you've learned over the past uh, four years blogging. Wow. I feel like at this point I could write a book over what I've learned blogging. And please do.
2: <laughs> yes. I know, I'm a blog anniversary i sit down and i'm like what do i want to talk about for my blog anniversary what what can i bestow and it always ends up turning into a list of lessons i've learned and then I'll, every year i'm thinking there's no way i can add on to this with new and unique information but somehow i do so <laughs> there's really you really never you've never stopped learning with it um so i think some of the biggest things in my own journey have been really involved with figuring out your own worth so especially once I started monetizing and once you sort of dip your toes into working with brands and doing sponsored content, it can become very overwhelming and very challenging very quickly because now you're really trying to figure out, okay, what am I worth? Like, there's no, There's no glass door for bloggers or there's no like, here's what bloggers make or here's what you should charge for your work because so much of it is so subjective and based on so many factors. So you really, as soon as you start doing sponsored stuff, you dive into not only managing professional relationships with brands, but figuring out how to, how to actually put a dollar sign on your content, on your time, on your influence, on your audience, like all of these things that there's really no guidebook for. So I think one of basically like a twofold lesson that has been really, really evident in my own journey has been not only figuring out your own worth, but also not settling for less and learning how to negotiate and really build relationships the right way. So I think that's something I try to basically tell my audience all the time too, is you're not you're you're worth more than free. So, so often brands come and they're like, we wanna build a relationship with you, but how about you work for free first? And I just really have an issue with that because the, the more you do it, the more you realize like, wait, no, I'm spending hours upon hours upon hours creating this content, shooting things brainstorming things writing things editing things formatting things publishing things promoting things and all of a sudden you realize you've spent like literally maybe 48 hours collectively putting together content and working on making it the best you can be and sharing it and so often people think that that's worth Nothing, or that that's worth a bottle of shampoo or a sweater. And you realize when you think about it that that's kind of absurd. Like that's really, really crazy. Minimum wage exists in the real world for a reason. So like, regardless of where you're at in your blogging journey, even if you're just starting out, I really think there's something to be said about running it professionally and putting a dollar sign to it, saying my time is worth something. The work that I'm creating and the content that I'm cre- that I'm creating is worth something. Um, and then your audience is worth something. So whether you have an audience of a hundred people, a thousand people, a hundred thousand people, they're still worth something and they're worth something to a brand. These are human beings and they're not just numbers. So I think that, that evolution for me has been really powerful just because I found myself in a really bad period of burnout right when I was transitioning to being a full-time blogger because I was really not, I was totally undervaluing myself and I was doing way too much above and beyond but not actually being compensated accordingly. So it became a really toxic situation for myself where I realized, like, wow, I have zero time for myself. And I'm working 16 hours a day, and I'm barely making rent. Like, how is that? That doesn't align. Like, if I'm having, if I have the demand, and I have people that want to work with me and want me to be promoting their product for them, then, like, this should, and should be able to meet here. This doesn't make sense. So, I know that has been, that's just been transformational, not just obviously for my livelihood, but also just in being able to have confidence in your work as a creator, too, where you can say to a brand, look, I know this is worth something, and I know this is worth something to you from a marketing perspective. So, we have to talk on professional terms here because this is a professional business and a business relationship, and not just me constantly hustling to someday make it like no at some point you have to give yourself props and say you know what no i am making it and i have made it as far as i have and it's still worth something and it will continue to be worth more
0: but it's still worth something
1: (laughs) oh man i love all of that you need
0: to write a book for sure because people need to hear that repeatedly like people (laughs) need to be able to like read that every day like when they're having time like behind the desk yes Mm
2: -hmm. 100 percent. and i mean it's easy i think sometimes there's, there's brands that get it, but unfortunately there's brands that still don't necessarily get it. And granted, influencer marketing is still a relatively new industry. And it's still this like relatively untapped kind of, um, like enigma that people don't really fully get yet, but it's still some, so it's, it's basically educational too, as you go. So it's really about finding that balance between respecting yourself and respecting brands and creating mutually beneficial partnerships, but still knowing when to say no to a really amazing brand because it's just a disrespectful ask, you know, where if it's like if you can't create a mutually beneficial relationship, that also involves you benefiting in some way. So it's not just about pleasing brands and bowing down at their feet like at some point. you <clears throat> at some point you have to just acknowledge like you're doing you're doing work you're doing a job for them and if they don't want to pay you that's fine they can go and they can hire an entire team of content creators to do the same sort of thing that we do on an everyday basis so it's really just about striking that striking that delicate balance i think
1: Nope. You're like speaking all of the truth right now. And I think it's important (laughs) for people. This is really why I wanted to have you on because you have so much, uh, you figured this out and you have so much value in yourself. And I think your message is so empowering. And that's really one of the things that stuck out to me um, during Philly, during the Block Connect. I was like, wow, this girl is out here hustling for the the truth. And it's true. (laughs) They can hire people and they don't want to, you know, spend that money on that salary and the benefits. And undercharging the people who are creating this organic content and reaching their audiences is just it's so disrespectful and when you start to think of yourself past being just a you know your side hustle, and really think about it. just being your nine to five. Then you start to look at it, and you're like, I need to be making what I would be making at a normal job. You know what I mean? Like you start thinking, oh, I could yeah. do that. You stop thinking that I can do this for a hundred bucks, two hundred bucks. That doesn't add up to a real salary after time. Like you really need to Absolutely. make sure you make enough money to pay your bills and cover your costs. And so, on that <laughs> note, <laughs> um, since you're you've, you know you switched over from being kind of like your hobby blog to your business, what's the biggest difference you found from having your blog just as the hobby you started in college? versus now it's your full-time job.
2: Yeah, I mean, obviously the charging aspect is a big piece of that. But I think aside from that, once I really up-leveled my photography and really started looking at every single post as something that I would be proud to share with my favorite brand, that's when I think things really started shifting and changing for me for the better. So I think, I mean, if you go on my blog and go through the archives, it's really, really evident when I actually started taking, not, I don't want to say taking it seriously, but really started actually learning and figuring out and putting the time and the monetary investment into things like my own photography or my own branding. Um, Because everything is still there. So if you want to chuckle, go check that out. um, It it really makes a huge difference. And I think brands especially really care about the visuals. I mean, it's just, Mm -hmm. it's insanely important. They care about how, you're going to visually portray their brand and your readers and your followers care about that too obviously because it's such a visual industry so i think once i actually started once i bought an actual really high quality camera and invested in editing software and figured out how to use it and figured out how to shoot manual how to shoot in raw how to use lightroom like how to do all of these things that i thought this is this seems professional i should probably do this Um, it really made a huge difference. And once I started really trying to create stories with my photography and like I said, just really make sure that every single piece was something that I was proud to show some, show my favorite brand where it wasn't this, this situation where I felt like I had to cherry pick through my own website for good content to show a brand that I think was really sort of significant. And that kind of signaled to me, okay, this is more professional because if I'm really, really proud of every single thing that I'm putting out there and that I'm totally okay with my absolute favorite brand going on my website and looking at anything in like my most recent post, then that's, that's pretty good. That signaled to me that I was really putting a hundred percent into everything, which I think is really, really important. If you want to be taken seriously as a professional blogger and as a professional partner, um, especially with paid partnerships, potentially on the line.
0: That's such a great point about like, you know, not having to cherry pick through content because all of the content is solid content. I think that's a lot of people don't understand now. You know, going back to like kind of consistency, people freak out and they're like, oh my God, I gotta have stuff all the time. And it's like, yes, but it has to be good because you yep. can't <laughs> expect to get brand partnerships and like be getting paid like well and being a full time blogger if your content isn't good because you know of course you're you're gonna have these companies, these businesses going and checking you out. And they're going to want to see consistently good content. Yeah,
2: absolutely. And if it's like every other post is good or there's a good post every once in a while, a brand is likely going to see that and think, okay, well, what are we going to get? Are we going to get the really good thing that we like? Or is this going to be something where something is published and we're disappointed or we feel like we wasted our money? And that's obviously the worst position to possibly be in. So you really just want to make sure that you're publishing something that you're proud of Not publishing something just for the sake of getting something up because you never know which post somebody is going to get to your blog through. So it might be your favorite brand. It might be new readers. So it's going to make it a lot harder to monetize and a lot harder to just grow your readership and your audience base if you're very hit or miss in terms of the quality of your content.
1: Oh my word! I love that. I had a, like a um, conversation with somebody about because uh, adding people onto social media on some of the things that I work on, and, and they posted something that was kind of awful, and I deleted it. And you know, having to be like, you know, we're not just publishing content just to publish content. There's you know brand integrity and making sure that we this relies in with our brand messaging, and that you know really having to sit down and explain that because everybody doesn't understand that. And a lot of people think social media is just, and especially blogging, is just putting stuff out and just doing it because you can. And if it looks okay, it's fine. But it's no, it's really you should be publishing what you're proud of. So I definitely love that you said that.
0: Absolutely. So you have a very, very busy life, I'm sure. So now that you are (laughs) blogging full time, what does like a typical day of work look like for you? And I know that typical is probably I'm sure every day changes. (laughs)
2: Yeah, definitely. I hate to be cliche, but the whole every day is not the same is pretty, that's pretty fair. Um, I think I, to be honest, I'm really bad at managing my own time sometimes because I can be a total workaholic. So to be completely, I can tell you what my ideal day looks like, but I'll tell you what my actual reality <laughs> most likely looks like. Um, because typically I'll wake up, I try to wake up at 6 a.m and more often than not i go right downstairs feed my cats and then go right to my computer with my coffee in hand so that i would not recommend that i'd recommend like actually having a decent morning routine and like eating breakfast getting (laughs) ready for the day first before you plug into technology but more often than not that's typically what i do so i will just start checking emails or if i have a blog post going up that day i'll get that finished and up um And then for the first chunk of my day, I'm usually working on promoting that post, catching up on social media um, and catching up on emails, basically doing a lot of admin sort of work. And once it gets to be around lunchtime, I'll try to eat. Sometimes I'll try to do a workout class in the middle of the day. And then in the afternoon, I typically like to devote a lot of time to actual content creation. So whether that's shooting photography, writing upcoming posts for the week, Um, I'll try to get all of that done just because I know my, I know myself and I know in the afternoon I tend to become sluggish and zero motivation. So I like being up and not just sitting at my computer. I like being up, moving around, shooting something, whatever. Um, if it, that's typical, that's like on a weekday, it might be something like that. I'll try to chunk answering emails into like hour chunks. That way I'm not constantly attached to my inbox. And then other than that, if I'm, I'll set up photo shoots on weekends or in evenings with my photographer to do all of the photos that I'm not physically taking. So anything that I'm in, obviously I'm not taking that myself. Um, So that's typically like a weekend project. And then it really just depends. Like sometimes days of the week will be themed a certain way where a day might be more admin work or more accounting or more contract signing or invoicing and all of that fun um, administrative sort of stuff. And then another day might be more of the creative stuff where it's all writing or photography. It really, it totally just depends. Um, And it also just depends on what I have going on in evenings. So if I'm going to events at all, or if I have plans with my husband or with friends or something, I try to basically work all of my work stuff out around all of that. That way I can sort of maintain work-life balance. And since I have the flexibility, hypothetically, to design my own schedule like that, I really try to take advantage of that whenever I can.
1: Yeah, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think that's why we (laughs) kind of choose the life that we have so we can (laughs) be a little bit flexible, um, take advantage of that lifestyle because it's fantastic. And um, I mean, that sounds so like I think the reality and the reason why I wanted to ask you that is so people can understand that there is a lot of you know heavy admin stuff that does go into running a blog as well as not just writing it's not just content creation it is still oh, yeah. doing your invoicing checking up on your emails following up sending proposals sending contracts and making sure that everybody you know stays on page so it is a lot of work but like you said it's for the reward of being able to be a little bit more flexible in terms of having a lifestyle where you can take your evenings off and go hang out with your husband when he gets off work and those types of things. So,
2: Totally. I mean, more often than not, and I always tell people it's way less glamorous than people think it is. So it's like, I think people forget that part of full-time, if you're full-time blogging, part of your job is to make your job look awesome. So a lot of it, you're like, you have to make things look, you have to be real. And I think people really appreciate that. But a lot of times people get to a certain level because they, they have this desirable looking life where people want to follow along with it. So... There is some degree of making things very aspirational, but I think it's really for me. It's about finding that balance between being aspirational but very much being real. And it's I think a lot of times it's not. It's just definitely not as glamorous as people think. Oftentimes, like I said, I'm I'm like my girlfriends and I will text each other. My girlfriends who also blog full time will text each other at 11 a.m. or noon and be like, "Did you change out of your pajamas yet? Did you brush your teeth? Did you eat something? Like because you could get just so sucked up into being on your computer and once your emails start coming in and once you start having all of these things to do it's like you could just be on your computer in a dark hole in the cave with like (laughs) no with just your jammies on and like looking completely disheveled no makeup nothing for like a week (laughs)
0: oh my gosh you're describing my life (laughs) yeah
2: like it is not like i said i did my hair and makeup today but like that's not necessarily always happening at all like you really you really are going just based off of what things are on your upcoming radar and there's a lot of times where you really have to be intentional about your self-care and like about your overall wellness and health and well-being because if you're just it it could just get very it's very easy to get sucked up into the black hole of getting as much work done as possible when there's not necessarily a limit to it so yeah it's definitely
0: not necessarily always glam (laughs) i hear that i have like different stages of like how ready i get like on tuesday yep. a little bit amount of ready because i'm gonna see angelica but like i'm like well we're not gonna turn on the camera so i don't need to be like fully ready and then if i'm gonna like meet a client that's when it's like okay you actually have to like get it together but if yep. i'm home like and it's funny because my husband has a regular job so sometimes he'll come home from teaching all day and like i'll still be in my pajamas at my computer and i'm like oh maybe, maybe i should shower yep <laughs>
2: I feel like, all right, it's a good time to shower now. Did I wash my face? Did I brush my teeth? Yeah. I have to go through this list of basics just to make sure that you're taking yes. care of
1: yourself. <laughs> Very true. So as we talked about earlier, uh, you know, being you're very upfront about knowing your worth and communicating that with the people you work with. So I know a lot of bloggers who are, you know, going through this transition of charging more for their content and they rightfully so they've gotten to the point where, you know, they create good content, but they're very, you know, anxious in terms of negotiating with brands in terms of charging and things like that. So what are some ways that bloggers can be assertive in negotiating with brands?
2: I think it really just comes down to knowing your own value and putting something coming to terms with that for yourself so figuring out what am i worth and then what am i not willing to go less than and what's really important here so for me it's like i will always be much more willing to work with a brand if i feel like it's a genuinely respectful mutually beneficial partnership so if i feel like somebody is just coming at me to try to get as much as they can milk me for all I'm worth and then hang me out to dry, I'm definitely not going to negotiate as much with them because thats it's not necessarily mutually respectful. Um, if somebody is blatantly disrespectful to me, I'm not even going to answer them most likely, let alone answer them and try to negotiate. I think it really comes down to being okay saying no and knowing that not every opportunity is created equal. So it really is a matter of, if somebody keeps trying to nickel and dime you, that might not, not only are you probably not going to be paid what you're worth, but it's probably going to be a pain in the butt partnership because they're probably going to be like super, super picky about everything. And maybe they're just going to be a total pain to work with where everything is pulling teeth or everything is a struggle and they're hard to satisfy. Like it really is just a matter of um, saying like, you know, I can't go less than this. And at the end of the day, I think an easy line to throw out to people is it's not only for your own fairness and it's not necessarily something where you want to tell brands like oh i can't pay my mortgage with this like because they get that they're people too but it's a matter of having that having that respect for your other brand partnerships that do pay your rate so i think an easy thing to always remind people is like look i'm always happy to negotiate and i'm always happy to work something out that's mutually beneficial but like X, Y, Z is the absolute lowest I can go. And that's out of fairness to the other paying brand partnerships that I have. So I can't, like, I can't go less than that because at that point it's not, it's also not just about your own time and your own work and influence and all that jazz, but it's also about the people who are very respectful to you and do honor your race do pay you what you're worth the worst thing would be if word got back to them somehow that you charge them one amount and then you gave this other brand a total discount and they might sit there like wait what the heck why didn't I get that right so um that's also something important to keep in mind is that if you really just approach it as everything is striving to be the most mutually beneficial then that's also something to remind people like at some point it's also it's not just about what you're getting to but it's about what you're giving to other brands what you're giving in general and it's i mean it's just important to point out to people the value that they're getting so if they're getting it's easy to like look up statistics and, and show the value and influence in marketing versus traditional advertising now so it's easy to just say to people look like this is how engaged my audience is and you're getting this much bang for your buck here Whereas, alternatively, you could invest in a radio ad that might never get heard because people might change the channels during a commercial, or same with a TV ad, people might fast forward or mute a commercial. Do people even pick up magazines in store now and actually read advertisements? Like that doesn't even happen. It's outdated. So it's easy to remind people: look, you can't necessarily, you can't get a free ad in Cosmopolitan to test how it goes, or you can't like do a free trial run on tv you do your research you figure out that we're a good strategic fit and you recognize that this is the bang for your buck that you're getting in an industry that's so much newer and so much more evolved than past advertising methods and you make educated marketing decisions based off of that it's pretty point blank period for me where it's like no this is a strategic marketing decision so you can negotiate to a certain extent but like at the end of the day I'm doing marketing for you. So if you don't want to pay me, that's fine. You can either try to like haggle your way with other people or you can pay a marketing team or you can pay an agency or you can pay for traditional advertising. Like either way they're gonna end up in whatever situation they end up in with their choices like that. So just take yourself seriously enough to be held at a standard of, I'm doing their marketing for them. It's worth worth something.
1: Yeah, I don't think yeah, a lot of people um think about this as marketing. I think they think of it like, yeah. oh, it's influencer marketing is marketing, but they don't think of it in the same way as they think of traditional marketing. And I think that's one of the reasons why ads and podcasts do so do so well is because a traditional radio ad, you know, is like you said, people see it coming, they change the channel, they're not listening, yeah. they're not into interested. And also, a lot of time, I don't even know who the people are. I don't first of all I don't listen to the radio. A B if I'm forced to listen right? to a radio in a Lyft or Uber, I don't know who these people are. So if they're recommending something or this ad that comes on, I don't care. Like I'm like, I don't know who you are. I have have no right. connection with you, versus a podcast or a blogger or an influencer, you somewhat kind of, you know, quote unquote, know them from their online journey. And so you trust their word a lot more than you would someone else. So
0: Totally. And I mean, my
2: background is in marketing and I went to school for marketing, so I always approach it from that angle too. I'm like, I've had experience in corporate marketing and at a brand, doing brand strategy at an agency. So it's like, at some point, people just have to be educated on all of it, you know, on the fact that influencer marketing is marketing. Like it's, it's something where you're in such a bread and butter position with influencer marketing because of the fact that consumers don't necessarily think of it as, Oh, I'm being advertised to right. That's the whole reason why it's so effective. It's just, it's so effective because you're tapping into the influence of people who already have the trust of the target audience. So it's literally the most genius thing because you don't have to worry about just cold, cold promoting something to a cold audience. You know, like the whole point of it and why it's worth not only the same but more than traditional advertising is the fact that your audience is already primed you're already you know all of the information about the audience already you the audience the influencer already has the trust of that audience and hopefully it's something that the influencer already uses already likes maybe has already talked about with the audience to the point where the audience has already been primed to the product or brand so it's like really something worth investing in because it can have such a bigger return, not just in brand exposure, but also in actual conversions for conversions for something. And I mean, all it takes is an actual educated conversation where you ask an influencer, Hey, do you have proof of people buying something because of you or taking action because of you? Do you have information on click-through rates or on conversion rates or on impressions on something? And that right there, if someone can give you that information, you don't get that information on a magazine ad or tv you don't know if somebody went out to the store then to purchase something or like had that brand even in their consideration set the next time they went to purchase a product in that same sort of category so i I mean granted i'm an influencer so i'm totally biased but i 100 think it's something that brands
0: should pay attention to and actually invest in because it's it's really worth it I definitely agree. And it's funny because in college, like taking business and marketing classes, I was shocked how very little we covered social media, blogging, any of that. And I was just like... It was interesting to me because, it, you know, obviously I completely understand you need to learn the foundations. And I think that's incredibly important, but there definitely became a time where I was like, okay, I know more than my marketing teacher about these things <laughs> that are actually in play right now. And I think that right now with blogging, with influencer marketing, and and a lot of different small businesses, we're, we're kind of seeing like social media is somewhat of like the wild west still. But I do believe that like in the next 10 years, like I think that bloggers and influencers will not have the issues they're having now with trying to get paid because I mean, obviously like it's working. Like this is a market that is very, very much working for lots of people. So I think that you know, 10 years from now, brands are gonna realize like, listen, like there's no point in trying to negotiate like this is the rate, this is the way it is. Um, and I'm excited right. about that because I, I have a lot of friends that are influencers and I know that everyone is tired of having to uh, go through that. And negotiate when it it really just it's just like pay the rates because at the end of the day like this this is how marketing gets done now and these are where the results I mean for me I anything that I buy at this point I pretty much <coughs> look up an influencer that I know um, someone that I trust um, especially like depending on if it's like you know like a curly hair product or something I want something that someone has used before that actually has like experience with it you know and yeah. so getting that from an influencer and i think especially because they're not a celebrity so you know they're not getting paid you know necessarily millions to do this you know that this is something that is important to them and they they're most likely most bloggers i think want to stay true to their brand so that they keep their their fan base like trusting them so
2: oh absolutely you should work with brands or whatever because there's not going to be any return for them at any in any way because you're saying you don't really have influence at that point so the number one key to being an influencer is to have influence which you get by building a relationship that's
0: genuine and honest with your audience. That was perfect. I know we're going to write that down as one of the quotables because that was the main thing. Um so you talked a lot about, you know, admin and how just how many hats you basically have to wear to be a blogger. It's not just writing, it's not just taking photos. There's so much to it. Um so what are some of the tools that help you manage your blog and kind of like stay balanced throughout that process
2: so oh my gosh there's so many so i use google sheets for a lot and like all the different things in a google suite i use a ton like google drive google docs google sheets like that all is my jam um and i mean i think those all help just because you can pick up and obviously use them wherever which is across devices which is hella handy um and then i mean i one of my favorite apps is called planoli and i use that for planning out my instagram feed So I know people sometimes are up in arms, like people plan out their Instagram feeds. That's not authentic, but it is, I swear. It's just a matter of making sure that everything looks, um, good aesthetically next to each other and that colors look good and whatever. I honestly like that app more than Instagram itself because it really lets you have the create, it's the creative stuff where you can make everything look pretty and beautiful and look good together. And it's awesome. I love that. Um, and then beyond that, I have I'm really not the greatest in terms of how my system for accounting because I'm super old school. So like my husband is trying to get me into actual softwares mm-hmm. to track receipts. But up until a couple of months, a couple of weeks ago, really, I was literally still collecting paper receipts for things and putting them in, like, receipt folders marked by the month. So, that's, like, not necessarily the way to go. I would not recommend that.
0: I'm the Um, same way, though. I just like to have the actual, like, receipt. And I do have an app for it as well. But, yeah, I just like to have it. I don't know why. Yeah.
2: It's, like, there's just something about it. Um I use, I think it's called DocuSign or DocHub. I think yeah. DocHub is the one that I use for signing, signing contracts and stuff, and that is super easy. Um, but otherwise, I honestly try to keep as much within the Google suite as possible just because that's pretty universally known for other people too. And I think a challenge when you're constantly dealing with different points of contact, different agencies, different brands, different businesses, whatever, is everybody has their own preferred system. So I think at least with the Google Suite, everything is pretty much, everyone at least knows how to use it and is familiar with it and it's a pretty easy process where you don't end up sending something where they're like, how do I open this? I don't have this software, whatever the case might be. So if I can convert it to Google somehow, I do.
0: Yeah. That is literally me. Like The first thing that I say to a client like once they decide they wanna work with me is, "Do you, are you familiar with Google Drive? Because everything we're gonna do from here on out is going to be on Google <laughs> Drive. like it it makes my life so much easier like I converted everything over to it last year and now like I just try to use it for absolutely anything that I can
2: yeah and I mean at the end of the day I think people appreciate that more than it being the prettiest or like the tech savviest sort of thing or the most professional looking whatever as long as it looks professional and does the job I feel like more often than not the accessibility is what matters yeah Mm -hmm. so I, I for me the biggest frustration is if somebody sends me something to sign and I don't have the software or I have to ask them can you put this in Google or do I have to put it in Google or whatever so if you can just make it easy and accessible to get the job done sometimes that means more for something that's not for something where the aesthetics don't matter obviously like if you're talking about the content itself that's aesthetic based but like if it's something like signing a contract or whatever a lot of times you just need it done it just needs to be there on file so make it easy make it simple and accessible don't make it don't make it a pain in the butt for whoever's doing it with you
1: amen i think i've um been in a meeting more than once, probably every meeting I'm in where somebody asks for something and I just pull up my phone and I have it in Google Drive because I keep everything there as a backup. And it's like, oh, how did you get it? How did you find it? And I'm like, because I don't leave home without my stuff. Like, I make <laughs> exactly. sure that my files are with me. I was, you know, launching a site on a plane and uploading documents and everybody's like, how are you doing? I'm like, Google Drive, y'all. Like, Google Drive. Like, it's so simple. Yep. Just keep stuff there. You know, I mean, before Google Drive, there was Dropbox. Before Dropbox, there was Box. And I've been doing cloud computing for so long. That that it's like part of my life right now, like they breathe oh, yeah. uh, into me. So, what are some things? Uh, what is one blog that you're admiring right now? Because I always am interested in what blogs other bloggers are reading.
2: <laughs> yeah, so for me, my biggest thing I try to do this for myself as well, but when I'm reading other people's, is I need to get something out of it. So, whether that's actually teaching me something, or even if it's just like making me laugh or think about something differently, I need there to be some sort of takeaway for me. Um, Otherwise that feels like a waste of my time. Like I'm so not into just the pretty pictures because so many people can create pretty pictures in today's day and age. So one of my favorites for a while now, her blog is called uh, Carrie Bradshaw lied and her name is Kathleen Barnes. And I love her because she's so funny and down to earth and she keeps it so real, like on Insta stories across the board. She's really just a down to earth chick where you feel like you want to be her best friend, but all of her content is still gorgeous. So, but she's still very much like a real person. She'll talk about her love for real housewives or she'll, she'll like drop a cuss word or she'll just keep it so real where you're like, wow, I trust this girl. I feel like this girl is my bestie. I've not, I want to be her bestie. <laughs> like she's showing her husband. She's showing like her, she'll be like dancing, singing into her Insta stories cam while she's cooking dinner. And you're just like, wow, this girl's the real deal. And it's not all picture perfect and it's not all filtered or whatever. So her blog content is still gorgeous and she'll still have all of her professional pictures and it's still beautiful and like a great place for brands to want to be. But she's just so, she just like keeps it so real writes in a very funny way. So I really appreciate that. I love anybody that really just has a strong, actually has strong writing because I think I see so many people now who don't like writing or don't want to write and they'll have Five, like 10 pictures and then a paragraph and call that a blog post and that drives me crazy because like there is no way that that one paragraph is so packed with value that it just became worth the five minutes of my day to check that out. <laughs> same so I, like if you can write and actually write something that makes me laugh or makes me like like you more or think differently about the world or like actually teaches me how to wear what you're wearing in a in a way that works with my closet or whatever, like any blogger that does that automatically has my attention. So,
0: so yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I love the name of that blog. I'm excited to go check it out. Now. I love when like you go to a new blog and you just, like, just kind of dive in and read like 20 posts back to back. So I'll do that. Oh again. yeah. Oh yeah. Mm, it's awesome. <laughs> so what projects do you have um, coming up and what can we look forward to seeing you do in the next like upcoming months and the second half of the year?
2: Oh my gosh. So a lot of it is still, all the content creation is pretty much, that's that's pretty regular. That's pretty pretty expected. But I'm looking forward to, I don't, I don't know an exact date yet, but in the coming months, I'll be relaunching my course for bloggers called Boss Pitch, Pitching politely yes. and Politely Persisting Ultimate Brand Partnerships. Holla. So um, yeah, so that'll be coming again soon, which I'm really pumped about. And that's all about teaching bloggers how to actually monetize and take monetization into their own hands. Um, Cause that was also a really big key for me when I went full time was not just relying on whatever came into my inbox by a stroke of luck. It was really about putting, making it happen myself and putting everything into my own hands and making partnerships happen that I, I wanted to make happen for my audience. Um, so that's coming soon. And then beyond that, I do have quite a few things in the works in terms of potential um, products or digital products that are spinoffs of things that are regular on Coming Up Roses. So I can't say too much more than that, because I haven't dropped dropped the bombs anywhere, anywhere yet. But um, it's things that are totally tied into regular series on Coming Up Roses, if that makes sense. So things that will just be ways to basically bring the blog into everyday life, if it's something that people are interested in and like want to have daily reminders of and all that fun stuff
1: <laughs> oh it sounds super cute super exciting well i like like when content creators uh think beyond what's next because it's always like how do you stay relevant how, what are you doing to make sure that the people who are following you and following your blog are more and more engaged and i think um that everyday reminder thing is actually a really super cool idea for people to just be like, Hey, check. that's one thing I like about your Instagram stories. If I, cause I don't have time to check for you all the time and read blogs, but you'll go through once a week and you'll say, this is what's new on coming up roses and you'll share the post. And I'm like, okay, I yeah. I know and I can go read them. So I really love that you do that. That's super awesome.
2: Yeah. And I think it's, it's cool. I would love to do more with products in general, just because that's, I mean, that's just such a cool way to have such a personal, personal relationship with your audience too where it's not just something where somebody's hopping on online to read once a day or every other day or whatever if it's something where you're literally in their everyday life somehow and they're using a product that you had a hand in creating and it enhances their life in some way I think that's just awesome and such a such a such an intimate extension of your brand which I'm all about so yeah I would love to be more love to be more involved with that
1: super awesome
2: yeah
1: oh my goodness well thank you erica for coming on and talking to our guests and getting their lives together and making sure that they value themselves and uh, (laughs) um we're super excited about your next session i I love everything
0: that you said about valuing yourself i feel like everyone who runs a blog or owns a business really needs to hear that
2: yeah of course i mean i'm so passionate about it after doing it for so long and it really drives me crazy seeing bloggers be taken advantage of or just not know their worth or just not know how to work for a brand benefit also. So I think if it can become a dialogue between brands and bloggers and really more of an open conversation, I think that's just going to help people in general in the long run for the future of the industry. So I
0: mm-hmm.
1: love
2: talking about it and connecting with like-minded people who also think it's an important thing to share.
1: Definitely especially since you said there's like no glass door for blogging I mean I feel like that in so many industries that we don't have glass doors so when we're working with companies or brands or things like that it's very hard to see what you're doing or if you're doing anything right or what you're doing wrong so I think having these open dialogue conversations where we're at least saying Mm -hmm. value yourselves and make sure you're putting out content that you're proud of or something that you would want to send to your favorite brand because I think that allows people to set the standard high for themselves for each other hold each other accountable and say hey girl I see you you're out here shipping flat tummy i I'm going to need you to step it up a little bit more. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, Just make sure you're encouraging yeah. everybody and, and like you said, you have your friends and you guys are all connected and you stay connected and I think that's really how this industry will continue to grow us through community and through partnerships with each other, not just brands. Absolutely. <laughs> so thank you so much and we'll have this Thank up. you. All right. Yeah, thank you so much
0: for having me.